Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh, do we have um, cigar cutters and lighters? Doesn't look like it. I'll go grab that. Dang it. Can you go um, grab some matches from upstairs? While I fill our audience in about the new daytime edition of the Fight for Together podcast. Well, all that means is normally we film at night. But today we had a conflicting thing. So if the lighting looks a little bit different on the video version of this podcast, if you watch it on YouTube, you'll know why. Because normally, yeah, it's a nighttime thing after the kids are kind of not in bed, but it's the last thing we do. Um, okay, time for a cigar. I don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah, this is a kind of a last minute hobbled together plan, but. Am I supposed to act like I do know what we're talking about? I wouldn't. <laughs> Before I you. Ben usually lets me know, like, the morning, the day of, anyways, so. Dude, this, um. Smoking a cigar at this time of the day is always a very questionable choice for me. Oh, because. You don't have any food in you? Yeah, I've been doing intermittent fasting since April. And for me, that means I only eat like for four hours from 6 to 10 p.m. And I had a banana milkshake last night at 10 p.m. And currently it's 3 p.m. So it's been 10 to 10, 12 plus 5, 17 hours since I've eaten anything. And I'm smoking a full cigar. Yeah. Do you usually get like a, is that like a recipe for feeling nauseous? Maybe if you smoke it not as fast, will that help? I think some people would say not to smoke at all. Well, given that that's not an option, do you just smoke The harm it? reduction approach <laughs> instead of the abstinence approach? Mm. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Um, let's start. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. So, I love, um, one of the things I love about this podcast is hearing people's comments. And I used to love it when people would leave messages, but the tech was just not working for us, where it's it takes so much time to get other audio and <coughs> but today we're going to be responding to some comments cool. that we're all along a similar vein mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting and this is from a podcast a few episodes back where we talked about basically like unschooling mm-hmm and providing uh, experiences for kids that give them like inspiration and motivation towards learning. Yeah. So how about I just get into it? Let's do it. Bella Foxy Gobble, which is a great name, says, I would love to hear more about how you launch your older children. What? All right. We have someone pounding on our door. Cammy left. Which means I can't read the comment to her. Um, so, um, instead, I will talk to you about nothing. Uh, the whole reason why I locked that door was... Oh, no, but I just figured it was going to keep happening. Like he was going to keep on banging on it if I didn't. Hmm. Well, but, okay. But, yeah. Anyways... Um, this comment is from Belly Bella Foxy Gobble. It says, I would love to hear more about how you launch your older children. What things do you have in place to keep them motivated? I'm not speaking about private details, but more generalizations. How do you help them learn this late in the game to think outside the box? Speaking specifically of a 17-year-old child, but we have two more coming up at the ranks, and we do not want to repeat the same patterns. 
Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I think, I mean, I'm not sure about a 17-year-old, although I think this still applies, but I think modeling that type of behavior in yourself could be the greatest uh, influence to your kids. Um, what type of behavior are you talking about? To think outside the box. Mm. Like if you let yourself think outside the box and then you practically are doing things outside of said box. I don't know what they mean by box if they mean like society, but it doesn't really matter. Um, whatever that box is for them, if they're going outside of that box, then I think that your kids at that point will see that. And I mean, I was just reading something about how um, with, well, in this case, it was about trauma, but how we mimic as little kids, we mimic what we see. So you actually don't realize how much you are like your parents just because you watch them at such a young age, how they dealt with feelings, how they communicated with their partner, all of this. Um, But I think the same is true for this type of thing as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think one thing that's like... um, changed my perspective of parenting any age but maybe in this case especially older age was i'm assuming this is a she but correct me if i'm wrong i actually don't because it's too late but um in terms of launching our children and what things do you have in place to keep them motivated i would say i now see people as intrinsically motivated like Mm -hmm. everyone is motivated already now they might not be motivated towards the things that you want them to be yeah but what i um see is like kind of the role of parenting now is instead of forcing kids to do what i want them to and Mm -hmm. let's take a simple example of a kid um keeping things clean okay like in the kitchen while they're um Mm -hmm. making a recipe or whatever um I used to be really frustrated because my kid would make a mess Mm -hmm. and I would be like, you should be cleaner or clean up after yourself or something like that. And anytime you say the word should, I think that's maybe a red flag for me now. Mm -hmm. Instead of just embracing that they are at this age and stage and saying, isn't it beautiful that they're experimenting and growing and learning and not held back by needing to be clean? (laughs) Which is kind of like an older person's thing that comes with pros and cons. Like it's not just a benefit to to be clean and tidy. For those of you that know, like different standards of cleanliness can be actually a major detractor from being able to enjoy anything. Or experience your life. Yes. Yeah. So in my older, younger years, whatever, long ago, I was more hung up on not being able to enjoy a moment because I would say something like, my kid's not motivated towards the right things or towards keeping things clean, basically my preference or what I want. But Mm. they were motivated towards something. I just wasn't able to enjoy it and see it because I was fixated on something else. Mm -hmm. And I think this about all humans. I think little babies are motivated. Toddlers are motivated. Uh, Teenagers I've learned are all, they're all motivated I mean, sometimes we say like, oh, my kid doesn't care about relationships. They're on social media all the time or on their video games. And I'm like, I guarantee you, if you look hard enough, they're making connections in their own way somehow. Yeah. And because we've boxed in relationships to being like, oh, talking to me at the dinner table and they don't like that, Mm -hmm. we think kids don't value relationships. Or even the word motivated is... Sometimes it's only used for certain things. What if my kid's motivated to sleep in or motivated to lay in bed all day or motivated to be on their phone? Like motive, like we're all motivated by and we're all doing something. But like we may not be motivated by things that make us look good or make us 
look good to other people or to ourselves or feel successful. Well, yeah, and I think um, motivation oftentimes is synonymous with productive or basically capitalistic. Productive in a certain way, too. Yeah, are you making money? Right. And our society arbitrarily rewards some skills. Well, I don't want to say it's arbitrary, but it's not necessarily in line with my morals. I'll put it that way because it is fairly consistent. But society decides to reward some people very highly financially. Mm -hmm. If you know how to move numbers around in a stock market or create technologies that people value whereas other jobs let's just toss out like being a teacher anything related to children or an artist for most artists anything related to children is very much like not rewarded financially yeah but so we were saying like oh who's motivated like an art is an artist motivated if he gets up makes a hundred paintings a year none of which sell hmm like, but then someone who gets kind of lucky, and I put myself in this category. I have a mind for money. I love the game of it. I love making the move and recognizing undervalued markets and things. And I've made decisions that have made me six figures, mm-hmm. um, like that take ten minutes. And so, like, I'm motivated, but that person's not. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a way to not see someone. You know what I mean? Like if you just if your motive if your term of motivated is like in this small little box of what you think it means to be motivated, like I think you're gonna not see certain people. Um it's kind of ironic. I mean, I don't think this person might not be asking this, but it's kind of funny to like talk about this in the sense of like they and I actually really I ad- admire that they want their kid to think outside the box. I think I have also wanted this. But then I also think, is there some irony in wanting your kid to think outside the box? Just like you. Just like you. <laughs> Which is not outside the box. Right. At all. It's yep. basically following directions. Yeah. Or living up to someone's expectations. Right. So if you truly want your kid to live outside the box, then let them do what they want to do. And applaud them for that. Yeah. Find, so, I mean, you can find out what they want to do and like support that. But yeah. So to answer this question of, you know, keeping them motivated, which I don't think this person is asking this exactly. But if I want to learn and appreciate my kids' motivations for what they are naturally motivated towards, I need to become a a good observer and a good listener Mm. and see what they're drawn to. And you can find this in anything. I don't Mm -hmm. care what it is, whether it's video games, porn, drugs, texting. um, Like you can find that there's like deep desires behind all of it. Always. And I'm not saying that these things will always have all pros and no cons on a child or any human's life, but mm-hmm. but we have things to learn by observing and then asking questions from our kids with, with honest curiosity and saying, what is it that draws you to this video game mm-hmm. or this group of friends? And maybe how can I help release this part of you and encourage this part of you? And... I don't know. Okay, so I want to get into something a little more practical about this question, mm-hmm. which is I don't think it's realistic, nor do I think it's like better parenting to not have any desires or expectations for your kids um, or any influence, we could put it that way. So we are observing them, and they are naturally different. But but there is a huge difference when you approach a child from a perspective of they're already motivated and already learning from like this little shit's wasting their time doesn't care about anything and it's like my job to like you know make their life wholesome and better because all they do is waste their life on video games two completely different ways of approaching a child Mm -hmm. so one i assume that my kids already motivated already curious wants to learn and grow and second of all i assume that as an adult i probably have more access to resources 
that could help them. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I do want to help them. And sometimes it's in a way that they can see. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. But um, let's take a, a few in our house, for example. And I believe we talked about this on the other podcast. Um, and I've also talked about it in my book, How to Unleash Your Family, if you want to do like more reading about that. It's a very short book. And I think it's like, if you read the reviews on Amazon, basically it changes people's lives in a very short amount of time is what the reviews say. Um, but there's science and facts that say that a child's environment has a huge impact on the choices they make. Yeah. One of the... Um, I mean, that's true for adults. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but kids... But adults have a lot more say over the environment, I guess is the point I'm making. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, adults have the money, right? So they're the ones buying... They're choosing the house. They're buying the furniture. They're buying the TV or not the TV. Mm-hmm. They're buying the art supplies quite often or, you know, the books, whatever. And there's just two studies I want to point to about this. One is this unnamed study that was done. I've heard it referenced so many times. But it's basically what is the number one um, factor that leads to kids being readers as adults and the answer that i've always heard and i i think this is beyond anecdotal is do you know what it is if i have two answers go for it having books in the house and then actually watching your parents read Ooh, i like both of them but i the answer i always heard was how many books are in the house how many oh, okay yeah so yeah just having books in the house mm-hmm. was a huge factor of if kids grow up being readers mm-hmm. and you can kind of like see why mm-hmm. but i'm convinced that a lot of kids aren't or parents are disappointed by the choices their kids are making because the kids don't have better options i think a lot of I, I would imagine a lot of parents are almost kind of dissuaded from caring about the environment because if your kid goes to school for eight hours, five days a week, they're actually not home all that much. Yeah. But I don't think that that means the time that they're at home, they wouldn't still be majorly affected by the environment. I mean, I was a kid that went to school and – I could see, I I could definitely see how my parents' environment affected me positively, negatively, whatever. I think a lot of people's environments of their home are dictated by pop culture and large corporations mm-hmm. like Ikea or Crate and Barrel or, you know, what are the, some of the top magazines? I don't even know or care, but they show this picture of a home, Pinterest, and they're like, this is what the ideal home is. And it's basically a home that is basically a status symbol. It speaks to your hipness as an adult and how cool and contemporary you are and maybe how much money you make. Mm-hmm. Or how put together you are. Which is not the type of home for us that inspires our kids. Our kids don't give a shit about what type of jeans we wear. And in a way, our homes become this glorious glorified pair of jeans that we like show off well i f- i feel like if my parents i don't know i was just thinking back on my childhood like I, I i respect you ben because you have done this and i feel like this is actually really important so if you want your kid to like embrace their creativity one of the things to do that is like have like small or big or whatever artists on the wall hanging on the wall or music being played or you know all these like maybe a a bench that someone made you know and then you see what's possible and you're like oh like this doesn't have this shit doesn't have to come from corporations like I can actually make this you know and I think that's actually really like a powerful reminder you know, every day, like they see the painting on the wall and they're like, oh yeah, this person made that. And I met, I met that person. 
Yeah, and if you walk into our house, you see very quickly like what we value. And our house, what we're told, does not look like other people's houses. But that would make sense because our goal isn't to show off. Like, like right off, our dining room is three quarters covered in a giant chalkboard wall, which is messy as fuck. It's not impressive because it's like a constant disaster. <laughs> it's constantly evolving and changing. Shit gets like half erased and then written over. And kids are drawing like snowmen with like no noses you know but it's creative Mm -hmm. and it says like this is a place for contributing for designing Mm -hmm. for brainstorming for sticking it out there for shipping it and you know over our dining room we have a piece of art that cost me 600 bucks that was my wedding gift to cammy that at the time paying 600 bucks as a broke-ass college student-ish. You mean our, our living room? Yeah, our living room. Hanging on the wall. Was an astronomical price to pay, but... Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to brag like we have it figured out, but our house just does look very different from what most people's house looks like. Well, I think it... Is it fair to say your house symbolizes what you value? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I just think it does that. So if you value fitting in with the Joneses, <clears throat> looking trendy and rich, don't be surprised when your kids find more inspiration from their alternate reality, quote unquote, video game world than mm-hmm. they do your crate and barrel environment of a house, mm-hmm. which would be completely uninspiring. I mean, it's cool for a little bit. Like, I like it for a week, and then I'm like, I don't yeah. want to live in this place. I'm not yeah. creating barrel. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Where are we? Um, Next comment? Do we have well, another comment? The sa- on the same comment, I want to speak to one other thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, okay. Let me finish that last idea first about the environment. Because what you can do is find out, if you really care about your kids, you find out what they value. Okay, maybe it's gaming, but instead of writing off gaming as a morally less than thing than whatever it is we adults do, mm-hmm. like an adult could invest into a good setup that helps their child game and maybe even create content around that gaming, you know, whether it's with streaming or whether it's with social things or maybe it's creating art around gaming. These are all things that adults can have a massive amount of um, impact on, but I don't think most want to because they're not asking that question. Mm-hmm. So when we find, I mean, and, that, and that's an extreme example for some parents, but let's say it's art. We find out that our kid loves art. You know, we can usually take a corner of a room or our house and design an art studio, like mm-hmm. for 500 bucks or less. And I just can't help but think that having an art studio in a house for a child that likes art is not going to in some way help them with motivation for that particular skill. Mm-hmm. Certainly not going to hurt. So mm-hmm. when we listen, you know, to what our kids value and then use our money and our space to show off and um, encourage those values, I just have not heard bad reports of this. Oh, Yeah. But I think it, <clears throat> I think it is hard if you have all these other values that are trumping uh, those values. You know, if you're, I, I just think there's only there's only so much brain space that you can have, right? And if you're taking up most of that brain space with your how you how you want to look to others. Like that almost takes up everything because I've lived that way and it, and you don't really have space to be asking these questions uh, that are unique to your kid. Yeah, I totally agree with that, which brings me to another point I wanted to make about this question. This uh, Bella Foxy Gobble, I just need to say that name as much (laughs) as possible. Foxy Gobble. Says... Um, We have two more coming up the ranks, and we do not want to repeat the same patterns. Okay, 
So this is a like a therapeutic philosophy that I think is very important, which is that we learn from our patterns and we observe them, but we don't hate them. And I'm not saying that she's not, but quite often we we see ourselves doing something and then we're so averse to it that instead of truly understanding and even appreciating why it's there, we kind of just despise this pattern in ourselves or in others, but we'll speak in ourselves. So um, let me, um, I'm going to try and walk through an example of this with us where we were very strict with our um, first kids. Like authoritarian. In their younger years. Like. And it created certain patterns. It created Mm -hmm. fear. It created hiding. It created lack of intimacy. You could see all these patterns all over the place. Yeah. And I could have said, like, I could have gone on to just, like, kind of hate and despise these patterns and be like, that's so stupid. I can't believe I did that. Which is really, there's a fine line then to starting to hate yourself. Absolutely. Or at least your past self. But there's another approach, which is to say, man, that's how I did that. And actually, it makes so much sense from where I came from that I would parent that way. Yeah. And and actually, there's pros and cons to that method of parenting. You know, part of our authoritarian nature made certain things possible that would not have ever been possible. And guess what? I'm so glad that we moved beyond that. But also... Just hating, I guess my entire point is just hating certain patterns or things oftentimes is not what makes them go go away. It's actually understanding and appreciating them and then evolving that I think. I mean, you could even, I've had people uh, say this kind of thing where you can thank them even. Say, thank you for being a part of my life. You, let's say, gave me structure Gave me stability, but I no longer need you. Yeah, you Marie Kondo that shit. Yeah. <laughs> She's that like person that's like, you take the t-shirt and you're like, I, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to do that all the time with various parenting methods. It's a way of like integrating it. Because if you hate something, you're actually not moving past it. But Yes. And a lot of the people that I, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is a lot of the people that I know that I think are the most hellbent on moving on from patterns, mm-hmm. ironically, never do. That's mm-hmm. what's weird. That's the son of a bitch of it. Yeah. So you're like, I'm not going to be like my parents. Whoever says they want to be like their parents? Every single person says they don't want to be like their parents, right? At least in some way. But inevitably, you see it all over the place. It's far easier to see in your spouse than in yourself. Well, even you saying, I don't want to be like my parents isn't accepting you already are. You already are like your parents. You were raised by them. How can you not be like them in some ways? Totally. And it's not a bad thing. It just kind of is. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Now, these might all be kind of overlapping. So maybe we already did it. Fun name, too. Oh, yeah. This is Cuttlefish Octopus. Wow. (laughs) This podcast is always interesting. Thank you. I would like to hear more about your thoughts on budgeting per child for these experiences. Do you keep it even or do more what each kid needs, wants, depends? What are your thoughts on supporting kids' interests as they become adults? Thanks for making these episodes. You're welcome. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, we, I wouldn't say we're, we don't really care about keeping it even. Um, I think we more care about supporting each kid's individual needs, wants. Um, because if you do that, you're, it's not going to be even, um, at least, at least not, um, maybe overall it could be, but. I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting because she's approaching this perspective. She says, um, budgeting per child. So I'm assuming she's talking about financially even. Yeah. But there's so many different ways of investing in a child. One Mm -hmm. is finances. That's the easiest to measure. Oh, right. There's time. That one's also probably easy to measure too. And even just there's different kinds of effort. You know, it's 
or it could be just talking to your kid about what they're into. But there's like thoughts which are not um, easily measured, and maybe mm-hmm. those are less important in a way because maybe I think what matters most is how a child experiences something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would agree with Cammy and say that keeping it even is not our top priority. Um, it, mm. I mean, another way of looking at this, like I remember when I had, um, well, there's just different approaches. Like last year when Eden was getting into um, murals, I discovered that there's like these awesome murals in Miami and that I could get like plane tickets for like one or 200 bucks. And mm-hmm. I planned this trip that was probably, let's just say like 600 bucks um, for us to go look at these murals for a day. And it was a total surprise and like blew her away. And when the other kids found out about it, they were like, wow, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could have thought, well, since I'm not flying all these other kids um, around, I shouldn't do this with Eden. But the approach I would rather take is say like, how can I blow my other five kids away with something, not just like, that externally feels the same, like, oh, is plane tickets on a plane to an amazing place? But the reason why I did that with Eden was because I saw that she was an aspiring artist to paint murals. But my other kids don't have that same goal, so it might not be an airplane. Like, I'm not competing against myself or anyone. I'm trying to do what's in the best interest of the child. And I think quite often we're taught that evenness is the best standard but that's like a bare minimum standard. That's not even a good standard. Like what's so much more beneficial for me is for a child to be known and Mm -hmm. recognized and appreciated. And when they feel that way, Mm -hmm. I don't think they care as much about being even. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would think so. I would think as long as someone is feeling that same type of effort towards them, but it, yeah, it more has to do with like internally, like how they feel about how their parents feel about them. I mean, this is like the ultimate of like giving each kid like 20 bucks in their Christmas card and then being like, ah, it's all even great. You're all loved. It's like everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> and they all open them at once. And they're like, cool. Mm-hmm. And it is cool. You know, mm-hmm. 20 bucks, 20 bucks. But it's also I think there's like higher goals we could shoot for mm-hmm. as parents. So the second question is intriguing to me because that is kind of where we're at with uh, several of our kids, which is how do you, what are you, what are our thoughts on supporting kids' interests as they become adults? Um, and, you know, we have one kid that I haven't really told Ben this, but they were thinking about um, getting some college education around something. And they were asking me, like, is that something that, you and dad would would support me in and that is kind of like uh i mean i don't know because i i do but i i do want to support and so yeah so that's like uh an example um but it's not always and that might even be the easiest way in a way like putting money down i mean it could be the most expensive but for college um but I, I mean, that when they become adults, first of all, becoming an adult feels a little bit arbitrary to me. I know our society says 18, but I don't think that's like cut and dry in my experience. Um, and I, again, I think it's catering to the individual needs. Like, you know, we could have a 20 year old that's like really needs support in a certain way. And then another 20 year old that's like, really different and it would be better to like empower them to do it themselves um so i I, but i definitely don't think it goes away like i don't see myself as not supporting my kids once they turn a certain age it i just think it might look different yeah for me you do this shit for yourself like there's nothing more gratifying to me than to support than to discover other humans and support them into becoming more of themselves. I mean, to yeah. me, this is the most gratifying part of our partnership that I've had with you in yeah. 20-some years is watching you open up and acknowledge that you are a musician and you want to write music and then encouraging you and buying you a guitar and seeing mm-hmm. you come alive. It was just like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool when you do it to kids. And I think yeah. it's cool when you do it to friends. 
and when my kids become adults, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. I, I want to continue. I, I'm assuming I still know them better than most any other human out there. Besides themselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of, like, outside support that they're going to get, if they're not going to yeah. get it from me, who are they going to get it from? In terms of, like, I mean, right. maybe spouse or partners or boyfriends or girlfriends and things like that. They'll allow people to get closer to them in that way. But I have mm-hmm. such an inside track for so long. I just don't know, and, and this gets into the, her first question. Um, I would like to hear more about your thoughts on budgeting per child. Is like, I don't know how much money you guys have, right? But whatever money you have, I guess I would ask the question, what is a better investment of your money and time than mm-hmm. something like this? And I'm not saying there's not stuff out there. Reti- Invest in yourself. Reti- retirement. <laughs> But in terms of the types of things when you get to your grave Mm -hmm. that you're going to look back on and say, damn, like this This made me feel good. This was worthwhile. This changed someone's life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because I think investing, man, I mean, this is my belief. Investing in relationships is always going to be better than anything else. Investing in whether that be financially, whether that be yourself, um, so I don't, yeah, in my, in my opinion, that seems to be the best investment. It models a way of <clears throat> approaching the world and living life too. I mean, this is what I've noticed. When we notice and invest our, into our kids' talent, they notice and invest into our talent. Mm. It, you're, you're teaching them, you're not teaching them that art is important. You're teaching <clears throat> them that people are important and authenticity is important. And listening is important. And when you do it to them, they do it to you. And those are the Mm -hmm. types of people and humans I want to hang out with. So it's so much more than fucking art supplies that you're Mm -hmm. buying. Um, Or a a video game setup. Yeah. One way I do this, and I've seen you do this, is through social media. Like, I don't know if you're going to find many many teenagers who are not on social media and so by me being on there I actually see what my kids a lot of what they're interested in they're putting on social media whether it be their art their music their photography um so that's definitely a way that I've invested in my kids yeah and I think because we don't understand social media it's easy to discount it. But who's, that's who's we don't adults. Oh, we're general. like, oh, social media is so shallow and stupid. But it's like, get the fuck off your high horse. <laughs> like, just because you don't understand something, you don't understand how Instagram works. Also, or- I think if you were a kid in 20, if you were a 14 year old in 2022, you that's not your perspective. Social media is stupid. And it was something else in 1984. So. Yeah, this is the same shit parents were saying about telephones. They were like, oh, that's not a real relationship. Yeah. Like, you have to be sitting with someone with, with a coffee and a whiskey yeah. for it to be a real relationship or over a billiard table. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's just, it's the world they live in. So you either enter it or you don't. But if it's you're not- It's a glorified preference. Yeah. Okay. Final comment. Can I read this one? Yes, please. Okay. Oh. Okay. Their name is Natasya. Natasya. <laughs> Natasya. Would be interesting to hear about starting to live your interests as an adult. How did you start? What did people around you think? Were you nervous? Would also like to hear more on the topic of learning, unschooling, maybe from the kids. Oh, that would be a good one bringing the kids in here uh, another day um, man how did I start or we start with our interests maybe we can take a few examples like yeah. playing the guitar or writing. I started yeah okay so I started learning how I took lessons on how to learn how to play the guitar at 32 and I remember thinking I'm too old like this feels hard, but then I just decided, okay, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. Um, 
people around me think, I mean, I, I would say that you were my biggest supporter in starting to learn how to play the guitar. And maybe you were my only one for a while. Um, and that is, that's something to hit on. Find someone who's going to support you. Um, because if you, if you're hanging around people who aren't going to support you, it's going to be like doubly, triply hard to like yeah. start that shit. And I would go the next step and say, stop hanging out with people that are not supporting you. Yeah. Or like, at least limit. Your... Even if it's for a time period, if it's for six yeah. months, like you, it's sometimes it's impossible to start something with other people's voices in your head, mm. whether they're real or even projected. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw myself as a musician. Um, and I never saw like myself outside of whatever I had already cultivated, which was like, oh, or maybe what people told me I was like, oh, you're a wife, you're a mom, um, you went to nursing school or whatever. But I wasn't, I, it took that long, I guess, for me to get to a point where I was like, well, maybe there's other things about me <laughs> that I could cultivate that I care about. For me, I think like one of the things that I've picked up in the last, let's just say six years that I wasn't doing before was, how do I put it? Um, creating content, but expressing Take. myself, mm. expressing my opinions. Through writing predominantly? Well, at the time or it actually, was no, more video. It was, it was video. Yeah, yeah. I started making these vlogs. Yeah. Which yeah. now I look back upon and I cringe because my opinions have changed so dramatically since then. Dramatically. Dramatically. <laughs> um, it's changed so dramatically. But actually, screw the opinion, the skill set of expressing myself and mm -hmm. respecting myself mm -hmm. and being brave and having courage and putting what I wanted to out into the universe. Um, it's what got you here and yeah and listening to that voice that mm -hmm. told me because <clears throat> my life at this time i had all these ideas but i would just gradually ignore them basically because mm. i was like because people she, she, this person also says were you nervous how did people what did people around you think i was being called this is in our spiritual community this time i was being called prideful i was being called narcissistic for making the vlog like oh we just are trying to get attention um, people were not watching it. They were writing it off. This, these are our, our entire old friend group and community. And for the longest time, I have to know or imagine this kept me from doing this for years and years and years and years. Mm. And <clears throat> actually, also, weren't you, before the vlog, weren't you talking to the people in your life about your ideas first? And how yes. did that go? Well, they would always give me advice. And the advice was basically like, don't do that. Like, that's not a good idea. So I had like notebooks full of book ideas. I just kept notes because I just like felt like these things needed to get into the universe. Yeah. But I also was not willing to break that kind of you friend want... barrier. Yeah. Well, you you were trying to like appease your friends somewhat, but then you were kind of losing yourself in the process. Oh, totally. And I was, I think I was like literally going insane. Mm. Like wow. as I look back about, at my, like I said, I was, I was frantically filling up notebooks full of notes of things that I thought should be in the world. I just was like, well, someday I'll do it. Or maybe it's not going to be me. And I just like was always fantasizing about these books that I would write someday. Yeah. And they would all be masterpieces. But of course, I wasn't doing an inch of writing like at all or a minute like during the days because I was afraid to. Hmm. Um, and like I said, yeah, when we start, came out with a YouTube channel because a lot of our friends... That, so that was a really brave thing. And for you to, looking back, did you know it was going to be received that poorly by your friend group? Intuitively, I think I knew. Because, and I found out from the beginning, like none of our friends watched it. Yeah. You know, like that that tells you something. Like they weren't interested in it. They didn't care. They, they couldn't handle it. Like they didn't like it. They weren't able to encourage us in that way. Hmm. And, and it was impossible. So you had like, to make I would, a decision kind of, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. now, granted, in our life, there was a lot of things that were helping us make the decision, like getting excommunicated by that friend group. But that was be. But you put started putting the vlog out before that happened. Yeah, I think the I think the vlog helped us get excommunicated. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Which you know, 
I mean, our excommunication was not super official. Like a lot of times excommunication, there's like, what's it called? Like low key, (laughs) low key, uh, excommunicated where certain friends you'll do something that ostracize maybe feel like it's like learning there's this tiny voice that is inside you that says like pick up a fucking guitar take a lesson Mm -hmm. write an essay um post this nude picture of you on instagram whatever it is Mm -hmm. and the more sorry go for it i was gonna say the more you listen to that voice i think the louder it becomes, or another way of saying it is like you can hear it better. You learn to respect it. You learn to respect it. You mm. learn to listen. Um, but at the beginning, it's probably going to be like it's seen as an inconvenience. It's probably you're going to write it off. You're going to be like, oh, that's not really me. Or if it is me, I don't trust myself, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you gradually, when you numb that part of yourself, I think it's a very painful existence. You know, I was, I yeah. was living a very stressful life at this time. I was not getting sleep because you're not living your own life at that point. I was constantly yeah. tormented, mm. and you know, I think this this is the reason why so many of us are basically cracked out on alcohol, television, internet, Instagram, scrolling, fucking video games, whatever thing just helps us get through the fucking day because we've had to shut off a huge part of ourselves and the pain of shutting yourself down yeah although it's not advertised as being high mm-hmm. is very high mm-hmm. and i think our pharmaceutical uh bills show that mm-hmm. and and i can only see that now at least to what you're talking about i can only see it now that i've started to respect my voice more than i respect others Cause I think that's, I think I was conditioned to like not respect my voice, to not listen to myself, but I was conditioned to actually listen to everyone else. If you don't respect your voice, I don't think you can respect others' voices. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> that's, I think that's true. And okay, so to take that to the nth degree, to flip it and to bring it back to what we started off this podcast talking about, when we started to respect our voice, when I started to listen and film the vlogs, even though they seem kind of silly in the beginning, like the topics we talked about, and even the editing looks all shitty to me now. But I was I was doing it. I was doing the thing. Mm-hmm. I was can, taking myself seriously. Can I say that I'm I am I really admire you for doing that, for starting the vlog. And uh, every time you say like I cringe when I look back, I'm like, when I look back, I'm like, holy shit, look what look what you did. This is like amazing that you did this. And I remember what was going on during those years. I was living it too. And it was like, it was hard. It was incredibly hard. Like we had no one around us that was like actually supporting us. I mean, we had like a a couple that were kind of, and then they like bailed. So I like really admire you for, for doing, for listening to that. Thank you. Still in small voice inside of you. Dang. Makes me want to make love right now. <laughs> as soon as I finish this cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Geez, where, how do I recover from that? That was <laughs> you saying all these nice things on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what I was going to say was that when you start doing that, it's impossible for those around you not to notice. And for us, that was primarily my partner slash spouse and children. And what's been so cool is watching them take their own voice seriously. Mm. Yeah. They'll get an idea for a mural and guess what? They'll fucking paint that fucker (laughs) on a huge ass wall. Yeah. And maybe they'll look back in five years and be like, eh, I don't like it anymore. Guess what? I don't care. There's more paint. You can paint over it. Shitty art is still art. It's still like you bringing. And they're learning how to just like cope with the world around them, which Mm -hmm. is a hard place to live. Yeah. And a lot of the reason why I write now, it's not for the world. It's just for myself. It's just what I need to do. It's like what I need to hear. So I just go up to my fucking office and I write it. Mm. Um, And I get some degree of relief from doing that. We need more people to be selfish in that way. Start listening to yourself. I'm really passionate about this because I've spent the last nine months writing about this topic. It's going to be my next, probably my next published work. And I I meet with an editor this this, uh, Friday about it. Mm. And it goes 
through like how I became more authentic and how my affiliation with religious groups kept me from doing that. Mm. But yeah, so my kids started expressing themselves over social media, over art, over mm-hmm. music, um, in ways that I have to imagine were tied to me doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you when you take your voice seriously and you step out and you do your little woodworking project or your little artistic Instagram caption or post or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you just feel deep down, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Those around you notice the pattern disruption. They're like, oh, mom didn't wear that last week. Now she's wearing it. Mm-hmm. Change is okay. Mm. And they don't learn like that wearing <clears throat> certain clothes is okay so much as they learn that listening to their own voice and changing from doing what society taught them to what they actually want to do is okay. Mm change can become not just something that you fear but something that you invite and something that is beautiful i like that so buy our hat um <laughs> this hat says if you're if your kills. voice inside you tells you to if your voice inside <laughs> you is telling you to buy this hat buy it now or this other hat that says hike here on hike they're 20 bucks on our merch store you can also buy our books and albums and shit on our merch store and if this still small voice in your heart is telling you to rate our podcast on iTunes or share it, share it with a friend, email that fucker to someone who you think would benefit. Yeah. Uh, and, and thanks for the comments because yeah. as you can tell, we read them and they're helpful mm-hmm. and maybe they were even helpful for you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to fight for together. We'll see you next time.